I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Oh, wait. It's Ellen and Jamila. (laughs) Okay, so here's what happened is I was, I got a message of a few minutes ago, actually, that Sarah is not feeling well. Um, And I also have a cold and I'm not feeling well. (laughs) So I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we're in trouble. So I called in backup for the podcast. Uh, so we have with us today, we have Jamila Gale Eggins, who's our feisty innovator, no, community innovator for the feisty team, and Ellen, our feisty creative director. Um, and you too, if you're going to join me for the podcast, um, we have to start with animal stories because that's a tradition. So who wants to tell me an animal story? Jamila, you go first. Oh, man. Is it because I have all the animals? Like... You have all, it's like basically a zoo at Jamila's house. Like every time we have a Zoom meeting, there's like fur flying everywhere. Yeah, there's a new animal I've never met before comes across the screen. Yeah, sometimes I'm just meeting them for the first time too. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, um, you know, we've had like this ridiculous heat wave and trying to get my animals to understand that no one wants like skin to skin contact with a little person in a fur coat. It's like, (laughs) it's been nonstop. Like when I get the dog off of me, the cat's like, Oh, now's my moment. And so, um, yeah, just cuddling up with a little person in a chinchilla fur coat is, it's been pretty awesome in this, uh, heat wave. I don't understand why, like don't animals understand that intrinsically, like not to press (laughs) bodies together during heat like I would have thought that it would have come with their like adaptive resources what like what the hells or or maybe this is like their moment I have a book that like your cat's trying to kill you so like (laughs) she's like (laughs) they're actually trying to smother you (laughs) yeah put you into a a heat coma yeah that's by heat I've read up on this. More people die of heat injuries every year than anything else. So, really? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, of course it was big here. It was all over the news. Yeah, yeah. Um, natural disasters, um, heat related deaths are like mm-hmm. leading all natural disaster deaths. So, mm-hmm. hurricanes, tornadoes each year. More people die of heat injuries. So, right. How hot mm-hmm. did it get in Seattle or Tacoma, New York? <laughs> So um, where I was, it got up to 109, um, which, you know, we're not equipped for that. So like asphalt was buckling on a highway, um, siding was melting and warping. So it was, it was a significant event here. Although yeah. I used to say like we won, we're winning on the heat thing. I think we were like, what, 113? Well, yeah, degrees? we don't, we're, so Sarah and I are in Canada where we speak, uh, we have the celsius range so yesterday we saw a big fat 45 in her car and that's the hottest by far well it's 
the record before for Canada was 45. So that was broken. Um, oh, wow. Ever 46 was recorded this week. And it just like continued to stay that hot. And for someone too, like I did uh, earth and ocean sciences. And so this is like causing me quite a bit of stress. Like a big Ellen worry is climate change. Mm. And so that was kind of like the first thing when I saw this heat wave coming is like, this is a one once in a thousand year heat wave. Um, and I think these events are going to be coming much more common. Um, and yeah, and I was honestly worried, like, so Sarah and I are in Penticton right now. And I saw this heat wave and it was going to be what, like 115 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm like, what does that feel like? Like, are we going to survive? Like, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So I spent time in Iraq. Um, oh, yeah. so I felt like, I felt like, um, like I was prepared, except mm -hmm. for I wasn't, um, because like, this isn't, this isn't Iraq, it's Tacoma, Washington. And right. So, uh, <laughs> the surrounding, um, like Iraq is prepared for that because they have the infrastructure in place to deal with heat, but here we don't. And, and, and here we did not. And so, um, you know, and it was across the Pacific Northwest. So, you know, um, I went to Coeur d'Alene, um, which we'll talk about later, but like, it was hot there. Like there was no escaping it. There was like nowhere to go um, to get away from it. And now we're having issues with the water rising um, because it melted like almost two feet off mm -hmm. of right air. Um, right. And so all the snow fed uh, water sources mm -hmm. just got this huge insertion um from the heat wave um so yeah i mean there's there's gonna be secondary um issues from it absolutely we noticed one of the lakes on the way here where the water level was really high mm -hmm. like it almost looked weird like the trees mm -hmm. was kind of half underwater and like like as if it was about to come on the road <laughs> like, <what? laughs> i was a little forest fire on the way here which is a big oh. concern in western canada um so yeah, that was, we were stuck in traffic for a long time because they were putting out a fire like right next to the highway. If you saw the content on Instagram of our road trip. <laughs> my biggest concern was that the bug guts on the front of my car were going to be baked on. Ooh. Mm. It's pro yeah. problems, first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. I was driving my husband's truck and I like got sap all over the windshield and I was like, oh shit, should I do something about this? Like, yeah. he's going to come home and be like, what happened to my car? You never come off. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break. And I want to get uh, Ellen's animal story. You're not off the hook. Um, and we're going to talk about um, our team workation that we're having right now in Penticton. Uh, Jamila's trip to Coeur d'Alene and I rock because after this. Hey, everyone. This is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to outspokensummit.com. We hope to see you there. 
And our regular listeners will know that If We Were Riding and All Things Feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code LIVEFEISTY15. And that includes the wetsuits, so good deals all around. Okay, Ellen, I know you must have a story about your lovely bear. Oh, lots of stories. Bear is a legend, honestly. She just turned 11, and so whenever... Uh, bear is not I, a bear, right? No, no, bear is a chocolate lab. <laughs> a very feisty chocolate lab. She has a big personality. At 11 years old, she still has a lot of feist in her. And so, yeah, every year on her birthday, she gets an ice cream cone. And so this year, Bear had a bigger birthday party. More people came to Bear's birthday than mine. Um, so <laughs> Bear is more popular than me. Uh, so what happens is we went to the Beacon Hill Diner in uh, Victoria, which is a super cute old school diner. And uh, about five of my friends came. There was another little golden retriever there. Um, a, one, a less like a... I think eight month old puppy, so cute. And so uh, if you've ever seen a dog eat ice cream, it's the most hilarious thing. I 10 out of 10 recommend <laughs> the dog ice cream. <laughs> it's hilarious. And so we had this old chocolate lab Hershey and Hershey was so gentle and she would like slowly lick the cone, but bear is literally a bear. And well, she ate it in two bites, the ice cream in two <laughs> bites. <laughs> um, and then actually speaking of uh the heat uh two days later bear had another little party uh i took sarah's daughter rosie (laughs) my daughter invited herself to bear's birthday party i believe that's how this got started (laughs) and so yeah so she had a second birthday with rosie in the heat my car doesn't have air conditioning we're going in the middle of the day so i'm like trying to mitigate like heat stroke in my dog and so we're driving over to rosie's rosie's house and uh, so I have the windows there, down, bears panting, like at every, at Rosie's house, I spray her down with, with a hose. We give her some ice cold water. Uh, we get to Dairy Queen, we get the ice cream and bear, and then we beeline it straight back to Rosie's house to again, hose her down. Uh, so I think I did a pretty good job of, of keeping bear cool. Cause you know, pets in this hot weather too, are, it's like, the hot weather's a big factor mm. for pets. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, luckily I, I felt like a little bit of a bad dog owner, like having this dog in a car when it was so hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bear was good. She got She home. got through. She, had she got through. To keep her going. <laughs> yeah. Can we just talk about how Bear has had more parties like, <laughs> <laughs> for this one birthday than I've had in like five years? <laughs> Bear's having a full-on birthday month. <laughs> Okay, um, we're right now we're on um, workcation here in uh, here in Penticton. And it's the first time I thought like, I wanted to do this because we have a great team here in Canada. You know, uh, we have a new team member, Ella. Ellen and I have been working away together in Victoria all winter, Lindsay and Panorama. Ashley just had her baby. So I thought, you know what, like the world's starting to open up. Let's have like, let's have a work week together in Penticton. So here we are. Um, Ellen, what has been your favorite part of the week so far? Favorite part of the week? Well, yesterday was just back to back fun. We did a lot. We- <laughs> back to back fun. <laughs> we- yes. <laughs> we we woke up at six. Uh, we're out riding by seven, uh, and then 
we were still doing things to like 10 p.m. So it was like, we did some work, I swear. We did do some work yesterday. Um, but it also included, you know, inflatable unicorns. We swam in the lake. Uh, we assembled a baby pen. Uh, so yeah, ate some pizza. It was a pretty good day. What about you, Sarah? Oh, I think definitely the assembly. So like, we were at dinner last night and um, Ashley calls and she's like, hey, would you like a team building exercise? We can't get our play pen together. So after dinner and a few drinks between us, we went over to Ashley's house and um, had to put together this playpen. And really it did take like, I don't know if, if anyone has kids or remembers those playpens that like, they, they like the sides clip in and the middle sort of comes up in a bit. Like it, people who have had kids know this one because it's like definitively hard to assemble. Um, and so it took us like a team of four. Ellen was checking YouTube videos. Ella was reading the instructions. Like Lindsay was problem solving like a champ in real time. <laughs> Um, we finally got it together. It had extra pieces on it. So it wasn't just the playpen. It also had like a change table that we had to figure out. And, uh, um, was the other part? Oh, a bassinet that went onto mm -hmm. it. So like we assembled like a full on baby, like mansion, um, after dinner last night. So that was my highlight so far. Yeah. And I love, I liked also how Ashley framed it as a team building exercise. Yeah. She definitely uh, sold, <laughs> oversold it to us. To get us to come over after we had a few drinks or pretty tired and, <laughs> But I'm I'm so glad we did. It was good team building. We definitely had to problem solve. Excellent. We all had our different ways of of trying to figure it out. So it was quite fun and funny. We should have the annual playpen assembly uh, evening. It's gonna be a, a feisty team challenge, I think, at some point. Yeah, I think it needs to be a challenge and like someone with a stopwatch and mm -hmm. just totally a whistle. Um, so Jamila, you were at Cordeline. Um, this weekend, you you witnessed the Iron Man, if or whatever um, unfolded there in the heat. Tell us about your weekend. Oh man! So yeah, uh, went to Cordeline, and you know I had been excited because I was finally, you know, after the move to Alaska and driving distance of events, but also because my hotel had AC. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I loaded up the pups and we drove up from the Tacoma area. Um, and yeah, so, um, never been to this part of the world, you know, the Pacific Northwest, just heading across, um, into Idaho. <laughs> um, it was an interesting drive. It kind of felt like a time warp. I went back like two years and, um, lots of <laughs> mm -hmm. Trump pence flags it was a wonderful wonderful drive-in but um it was um hot and yes. so <laughs> how hot did it get on race day um so the air temperature said 100 but um one of the volunteers like had one of those thermal um thermometers and the road was 132 where we were at so the, yeah it was it was one of those things where, you know, I had the FOMO of missing out on racing, but also like, eh, I'm okay with not being on the course today, <laughs> but yeah. I really want to get back at it. So, um, yeah, it was beautiful. It, I don't know if anybody read the, um, the newsletter, but it just really felt like a welcome home. Um, I know we've had races before this weekend, but I just everything that went on this weekend was like, indeed, triathlon is back. Um, <laughs> the uncertainty of race day is back. Uh, yeah, it was it was like, no kidding, race day. 
here you go. This mm-hmm. is what we got for you. Mm-hmm. And did it feel like normal? Like were people still social distancing, wearing masks and stuff or? or was oh, I went to St. George and people had on masks. Here, they listen, COVID did not exist in Coeur this weekend. It was right. like, they, they were over it. Um, it. Like even, you know, I went in and volunteered the day before and in St. George, they handed out masks. Mm-hmm. And here, like, it, we didn't really have masks. Um, there were some changes, like there weren't changing tents, uh, which caused people to have to set up the old school uh, transition areas. <laughs> uh, which is hilarious, watching 2,100 people lay out their towels. And, and you can tell the people who have done triathlon with a transition area and those who had no idea what we oh, were asking so them you to like- do. Right. So like normally an Ironman, you get like a bag and it's on yeah. a hook and you come out of the swim, you grab your bag, you go into the tent. Right. I'm hearing you. And instead it's like almost like a local race. So you have your oh, like yeah. shoes laid out on a towel in front of your bike. Oh That's yeah. So I can't tell you the number of people I saw turn around and have to go back to their bike area, transitioning from the bike to run mm-hmm. because they forgot to grab something or put something on. Right. Um, so yeah, so it, and it's funny they did a video for the athletes brief where they're like explaining it's like, hey, it's gonna be old school, like all your stuff's gonna be at your bike. Um, so it was, yeah, that was interesting. Um, they had, they did not pre-assign bib numbers, um, which some people were pretty like down about that. But the benefit to that is whoever you checked in with, you rack next to. Because they were just giving out sequentially. Oh, so like beside your buddies, like right. in the position area. Right. So you could potentially, like, we had groups of five, like a team come together that were all racked in the same location because they all checked in at the same time and got sequential uh, bib numbers. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And like yesterday, so yesterday we were on our triathlon team call and I overheard you telling some stuff. I, I have actually thought this before about Coeur d'Alene because like Coeur d'Alene is, um, how, like, how would I say this nicely? Like they have a history. Um, it's not a place that's been particularly welcoming for non-white folks um, in, <laughs> in the past. And I just like, and I heard you kind of talking about that. And I was like, oh yeah, I always wondered like, how someone might feel in that situation. So like, did you, yeah, you tell us like. So it was weird because, you know, we had a lot go on the past year. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, being very anxious to get around like your tribe, your community. And I think, you know, as triathletes, we're generally more the same than we're different, Mm -hmm. but like riding into a town where you don't see anyone who looks like you, um, I like volunteered for eight hours at registration and there was one woman of color who like checked in during that time period. It was like, oh, okay. Like this is where we're at. And like, you know, I'm reading about the area. And so, um, initially it was kind of concerning because here I am alone and unafraid, you know, I like my husband's deployed. So I took his jacked up F-150 with like monster tires. So here's this little black lady riding in this awesome (laughs) with three dogs stuffed in the back of a, you know, F-150, um, (laughs) heading to a place that generally like everything I'm getting is, you know, there's not a lot of people like me there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, I mean, 
the entire time I was there, I didn't see anyone outside of the race course that looked like me. I mean, so it was like, hey, everybody in the area, you know, no one was mean. No one was overly like outward about it. But I mean, you can't help but notice that you're the only person that looks like you mm-hmm. in a place. And, you know, like, oh, okay, is this coincidental? Eh, probably not. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, you know, I walked around a course, I seen three black people racing. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy kept talking to me. I was like, yes, hi, hi. Like we are now besties. Yes, like we yes. are, <laughs> I'm happy to see you. You're happy to see me. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, like I said, you know, none of the volunteers look like me, no one. And, you know, it was conflicting because when I got to the village, like I felt at home because these are our people, right? It's like, we're all triathletes. Like we're really excited. Racing is back. Like you're just really like in the spirit. But then when you look outside of the race and even in the race, you know, that's not a normal representation no. of, of people of color. So then it's like, is it because of where this race is? Like mm-hmm. do people, do people, are people smarter than me and just don't come to Idaho? Mm-hmm. yeah that makes me think we talked a little bit too about kind of comparing and contrasting the inclusivity seen at Williamsburg I think 65 percent of uh, the race was women uh, they had some really cool new innovative practices for um, new triathletes uh, the percentage I would say like um, people of color was more representative as well and I found that that race was really highlighted in the community when that's sort of like, what would you say? Not, it's not, it's not quite the norm. Like our sport is moving in the right direction, but still Coeur d'Alene is probably more likely closer to where triathlon is at. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, you know, and the thing is we're in that circle. So we've seen it. Like I seen the complete contrast. Like I see, Williamsburg where you know the fast chicks represented and did a team meetup and I mean they had so many you know women and women of color like towing the line for the first time and then I'm at Coeur d'Alene and I'm like you know me and this one like black guy keep finding each other like hey hi it's you again <laughs> um <laughs> and even in our world so I had someone approach me and said I know you I know you you're feisty and I'm like yeah you know and I'm thinking yeah you know they know how badass I am as a community innovator. And she says, uh, yeah, you're, you're Yvonne, right? And I was like, oh, no. And then she's like, um, don't tell me, don't tell me, um, Tamika. And I, I'm, I'm like, listen, lady, like I'm the <laughs> only one with no hair. Like, and I appreciate the fact that you, you know us. But like, at the same time, it's like, we're, we're different people. <laughs> we're different people. <laughs> guess if she would have said somebody else I would be like yep yep that's exactly who I yeah. am Shauna I'm Shauna you got I'm it Shana. yeah, yeah I'm Sika. I just got my pro card yeah. <laughs> you're like well Sika you really let yourself go <laughs> but you know and, and so it was that right there like even though it's like oh I know you from outspoken you know we're doing all these good things we don't all look alike. And like, we, we don't even all really operate in the same space as far as what we're doing in the sport. And so right. um, it, it, it's just, 
little reminders like that, that we, we do still have a ways to go. And, you know, Williamsburg was great, but like, I'm also interested to see Lubbock. And, you know, when you look at the Ironman circuit, like most of the races are places where, you know, I mean, that we have one or two races where you could probably get a large population of diverse people, but there are a lot of races in places where hey, that, that community in itself isn't that diverse, so. Yeah, I had, I have to tell you, I have my, I had a big wake-up moment in Coeur d'Alene. Um, I did Coeur d'Alene in 2004, and starting around, like, I got my pro card in 2003 at the end of the year, and so 2004 was the first year I started to do some North American races again, because I'd been living in Europe, I'd done races in Australia, or Brazil, like, pl- d- different places, right, or in Europe, where people are, different shades of, <laughs> you know, different shades of skin, you know, and you, I hadn't really thought about that because in those countries, it's like the people that are in the country do the race, you know, like in Brazil, it's like so diverse. Um, and so I came back to North America and um, I went to Coeur d'Alene and there was, it's the same, it might have, maybe it was the same guy. Maybe we have the same friend. I remember noticing because there was this, there was like one black guy in the mm-hmm. whole race. And that really stands out when you're like, oh, and you're like, again, and you're like at the awards, you're like, there's that black guy. There's like, yeah, what there a strange, is. like, and I was like, oh, there's something wrong with my sport. Like, what is happening here? Like, why is like the, why is there only one black person at this race? Right. And I like, I actually then, like, that was my kind of, wake up a moment and started to take you know like every time I go to a race I sort of take note and go oh okay we have like we have a challenge here in which somehow our sport has not been inclusive enough to and that was like 2004 you know like there's been little ground made up but nowhere near as far as we need to get um so like I have this funny when you're describing that experience in Coeur because like I had that like that moment for me, just of the light bulb going on, you know. Yeah, and you know what? Like the first. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, I'm just saying it was how just like it was 20 years apart between, uh, almost 20 years between Sarah's experience and then Zermila's experience this weekend in Coeur d'Alene. And yet, very little has changed, at least in Coeur d'Alene. And then, like the first time he speaks to me, I don't think it's because hey, this is the only black person that he's seen. You know, it's just hey, hi, how are you? Like everyone in the community is really welcoming, you know, hey, are you racing and all that? But then, you know, the second time you see him and it's like, oh, that's the same exact guy. Hey, hey. And then the third time it's like, listen, listen, I have a truck out back. If things go left, like I'll get us out of here. Because (laughs) you start to notice that like, he's not coming to you just, (laughs) just in general because you're a triathlete and you're there. He's coming to you because you're the only person that looks like them. And mm-hmm. if I was a new triathlete and knew nothing about the sport, I think I would have been far more uncomfortable there than I was. And, and it, it wasn't, you know, like I said, and it was nothing, to, there was no one thing that happened that made me be like, oh, this place isn't friendly, you know, towards my people. It was just, hey, listen, we're not here. Um, mm-hmm. There was, Two, two black women, and I remember them distinctly because I remember you get so excited because you see them and it's like, hey, hey, I have to know you. Like, mm-hmm. I have to, hi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know, I, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but when I did Ironman Maryland, I had someone ask me on a run course what I was doing there. Like on Whoa. the run course in my mm-hmm. marathon of an Ironman, 
I had somebody turn to me and ask me why, like, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm confused because I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I make bad decisions like you. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> and I, I got so irritated and I said, you know what? Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I took off running and left him, like left him back there. Like, I, I don't know why I'm back here with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the, like, so when people mm -hmm. say, oh, I don't see color. Listen, sometimes you don't have a choice. Like if you're the only speck of color in a sea like you're yeah. gonna see that other speck over yeah. there mm -hmm. and so um yeah it was interesting it was like surreal and kind of remind uh, a reminder of we still have so far to go and you know um I think we got so used to the noise for a while that when it calmed down you you know you're like oh okay things are better when the reality is they're just not saying it out loud anymore you know I've noticed posts where there's still that micro there's still that underlaying you know with the trans um athletes in the olympics like people you know like you're still having that conversation you just don't have the same platform you had to have it before you know where it was accepted and people were going to jump on it and cheer you on because that's what was acceptable now it's not acceptable, but people are still having those conversations and it's still happening. And we did really, some people didn't grow at all in the last few years and we're mm -hmm. still, you know, in this space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, what can we do? Like we're gonna have some of these conversations in the fall at Outspoken. Um, as you, Jamila, you've been part of our Outspoken community from the beginning, yay. Um, and actually I think we did when was it? It was on one of our calls um, about uh, one of our outspoken calls and we were going around saying what was our favorite moment at Outspoken and two other people had said um, that it was Ted said something about you and I was like oh gosh I can't use my Jamila example. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well they may not have been talking about me but they may have been talking about Shauna or something. No. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> exactly remember. Yeah, remember? I think it was you um, <laughs> no I remember you coming up to us in 2019 I think and saying like I wish we could all just like move into the hotel and live here together because like everybody just people. stay here forever in mm -hmm. this place it's mm -hmm. my favorite place to be I'm so excited that we're doing it in person uh, because regardless of Coeur d'Alene in itself like I missed our community. I miss the volunteers. I miss the spectators. I miss the people who have no idea what they're doing out there, but they are there in a hundred degree weather to support some loved one, you know, in their ridiculous quest. And, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I <laughs> you know, someone called a try to, they were looking for their loved one and they said, you know, he's in the white romper. And I like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. Rappers, that's what they are. <laughs> um, yeah, and just and all the amazing stories too. Like I remember you saying uh, you met someone who had been attacked by a shark. Yes, and so um, yeah, she totally needs to be on one of the podcasts. But like you know, she's checking mm -hmm. in, and she's like, oh, you know, she has this shark onesie on her backpack, and so you know, I'm in now. I'm like naturally drawn to this lady, um, and she's like, yeah, I was a you know training for a race and I was attacked by a shark and I'm just like 
here lady, you are feisty. Like I was supposed to be volunteering. I went to my bag to get my feisty stickers and stuff. I'm, you, you need one of these. Like I need you to know that like lake or no lake. I don't know that had I had a shark attack that I would still be in the sport. <laughs> like yeah. she's out mm-hmm. here like crushing it. Um, and that's the thing about triathlon. Like, so many people from so many, like there were so many stories and we're missing out on so many more because mm-hmm. it's not in the community. Once you get in the community, you realize like, God, we're just such a unique group of people. But like, it's just trying to get people to the community. I was already mm-hmm. in the community, which is why I was willing to drive through potato country and, <laughs> and you know, and come come to a place that under any other circumstances, I don't know that I would have visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes me sad because there's so many more stories out there mm-hmm. that could be a part of this community um, that we're missing. Yeah, and something we also talked a bit about yesterday was uh, when we were talking about solutions was oh, how, yeah, yeah it's, it's part of it is getting more representation in athletes, but then it's the part, other part of the other areas in the industry. So business and in coaching and in high up places um, in federations. And so, uh, yeah, we we're talking about yesterday is like, how do we get more people like you were saying, Jamila, like having someone, a coach that looks like you or can relate to your experiences, know where, where you've come from right. um, is so valuable. Know- you know, if that guy called the regular coach and said, hey, listen, I'm at this race and I'm the only one, like, it would be really hard to empathize with that if you've never been that person. Um, but to be that person and to know, hey, listen, don't worry about it. You know, it it just, it hits differently when it's coming from someone who's had your same challenges. And, you know, we talked about, you know, we talked about yesterday about there's a disconnect. Like, it's not just the training that, people from outside of this community need it's the you know um it's such a lifestyle right so it's the other little things that go with being a triathlete that if you're not in that community you don't understand it's the where do I swim you know how do you get open water swim I learned about um getting access to open water because I was in a tri club and somebody had a lake house in my circle nobody had a lake house (laughs) you know right so so wait a minute like you just go over to julie's house and you guys swim at night and they're like yeah like and this was normal for this community but for me and you know being from a world where no one i knew lived on a lake and i really didn't understand like how do people open water swim all the time i don't get it like those little things are the things that people you know, within a community can bring to outside. So it's not the training. It's not, I mean, you can tell anyone to go out and run X amount of miles and bike this and all that, but it's the little isms that make this sport unique that if you don't come up in a world where you swim, if you don't come up in a world, you know, where you cycle, um, chamois, chamois cream. Like, I don't know why people think this is optional. Like, this is actually a part of cycling. Like, you you don't do that. Don't ride a bike without, you know, greasing up your special parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the stuff that, like, sometimes if you're in this, and I don't want to say privileged, but if you're in this space, you don't think 
hey, these are the little things that this person doesn't get. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's those lifestyle, those, yeah, those lifestyle little mm-hmm. tips. Mm-hmm. that if someone doesn't live is not from that lifestyle and not from that I mean even income bracket you know then these are things that they don't understand or they don't process or they don't know yeah um, it sort of sounds like the difference between like he here's a you want to do a triathlon okay here's a training program you know download it off the internet and like come and join our community mm-hmm. kind of thing and like and then that's where that that kind of information gets disseminated, right? It's like I don't know that I'd be able to identify all the little, all the little isms, as you say, right? Like even, <laughs> but I think about even like learning to do like lap swimming, right? Like that's intimidating. Um, if oh, you yeah. don't know the quote unquote rules, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. I get that, right? Versus like somebody who's come from a swim club, they know like they go to the pool, it's like their second home, they're perfectly comfortable. Um, so there are those little things that you can't, that's like hard to package, um, yes. that it's like, we need to create an inclusive community. Yeah. And those are the little things that may or may not keep someone in a sport. You go and have a bad experience at a pool. You're less likely to go back to that pool, especially when, you know, you have this voice saying that you don't belong here already. And then you go and, you know, and we can be unforgiving, you know, people trying to get their workout in sometimes are not as receptive to someone trying to learn what to do there. And, you know, we should start by changing the name of Master Swim. So first of all, I think that we should start by like, I am petitioning to change the name because it's scary. And people don't realize that Master Swim (laughs) is a tool and you have to explain to people, oh, no, it's just the name. Like, really, it's a swim group and you have access to a coach, which writes workouts. Mm-hmm. Nobody explains that to you. Mm-hmm. So, like, you keep trying to tell people to join a master's team and they're looking at you like, I'm not yeah. even an amateur. Like, I don't want to go to the master's golf. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, in every other word, uh, world, master means like you've mastered this craft. And then it's really, we're like, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we're really beginner adults. <laughs> I used to call it gotcha. masters, and di- masters and disasters. And I, fe- I feel like triathletes, like masters probably used to be a place where there was a lot of ex-swim kids, you know, who oh, yeah. that's probably how it started. And it's like about mm-hmm. the age. Um, and then as triathlon started to grow, you ended up with a lot more adult beginners in those in those <laughs> masters programs who are not masters at all of, it, of swimming, at least of swimming. So <laughs> when I they did master, else. when I did the um, certification, there was like a big disconnect because they didn't want triathletes there because all we're interested mm-hmm. in is the front crawl mm-hmm. and getting distance in for a race. So you have this swim instructor trying to write these workouts for swimmers and you have all these triathletes like okay I don't want to do any of that uh can you teach me to do 1800 non-stop <laughs> yeah screw yeah. the butterfly uh, <laughs> <laughs> screw the butterfly my my legs don't move that way um, so I and I remember that I did um the U.S. um MS coaching certification like in 2013 and there were people there who did not want triathletes there and they were I remember it was this huge divide and then now I went I when I did level three uh two years ago 
they are embracing because they know they're bringing Mm -hmm. adults from non-swim backgrounds like they have opened up this market the sport has and so yeah but let's start there let's change the name like so beginners (laughs) I love it um I'm sure there's a long list of things we could do okay let's um thank you for your stories Jamila that was wonderful um let's take a break and come back and do I rock because get ready Every day, there seems to be a new wellness trend, like eat this, do this, avoid those scary things. And how do we know where to start and who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. This provides you with a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests and includes tests that we need as athletes but aren't traditionally included, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part is that they don't just give you the data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our If We Were Riding listeners 25% off their entire store. So just go to insidetracker.com forward slash riding. That's insidetracker.com forward slash riding, as in, if we were, change is an inside job, start inside. If We Were Riding is a feisty podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at If We Were Riding. And we love hearing from our feisty friends, so please send us a voicemail at sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah without an H. Right, so just grab your phone, record an audio file, and email it to me, and we will love it and love you forever. Okay, Ellen, are you ready? Do you you know why you rock? Yeah, it took me a little, a a moment uh, to think. It's hard, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would say I rock because, so the last two mornings, uh, we're here in Penticton, as we said, and we have our two other team members are still training for triathlon. Um, Sarah and I are retired. Um, but for the last two mornings, I've got up early and went and trained with them. And the first day, granted, I didn't do their hill wraps. I took pictures, uh, but I was still out there. I still got up early. And then this morning I did a, a track workout with Ella. Um, so I felt good about myself for, for wake, getting up when I didn't want to wake up at 5:30 and getting out there and, and doing some workouts. So it was a good start to the day. Awesome. Okay, Jamila, give us yours. Oh, so I would say I rock because I completed an unintentional brick workout today. Um, <laughs> by deciding <laughs> I wasn't going to run past the lake by my house, I was actually going to strip down and jump into water and. <laughs> I don't know. It was just calling me. So um, I was just out floating in the middle of our lake um, at six o'clock this morning. And then I had to do the walk of shame home. So like I'm in running clothes, but I'm drenched because I was instead of running, hanging out in um, the middle of American Lake. So um, not only did I do one workout, I did two. Um, Neither were quality, but it was a great 
time. <laughs> How far did you have to walk home as you were dripping? Um, what so kind of traffic was, was there? Like, were people staring at you or was the situation? Garbage people were the only ones out <laughs> and they were like, so I can't imagine what was running through their mind when they seen me like kind of look at the lake and then just decide that, like, just take my earbuds out, set my phone down and just like, <laughs> Just walk out in this lane. I don't know if they're like they're watching to see if I was gonna come back <laughs> or what. But um, yeah, the walk of shame was about a half a mile through the neighborhood, and so mm -hmm. like you know the squishy shoe sound. Mm -hmm. and... <laughs> Amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback your I rock because because I did the exact same thing, but two mornings ago. Um, I was on the way back from my run and here, like, you know, we've talked about how hot it's been and there's just no way, like, there's no way I'm not going in that water right now. But I, I did the same thing. Like I like ran home with the <laughs> dripping wet clothes. Um, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. All right. Like well, thank you. Thank you both for coming on the podcast with me this week. And thank you on behalf of Sarah who didn't show up. I'm going to give her <laughs> shit later, but you know, she's off the hook once in a while. Yeah, okay. and you can come hang out with Jamil and I on the feisty team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so if you want, want more of my shenanigans, like I appear <laughs> every day. <laughs> Please don't leave the team. I promise I won't. <laughs> what happens on the feisty team? Like, why should people join? Uh, they should join. Hey. Yeah, I'll let you you speak. I want to hear what you, you have your um, take, I'm Jamila. Gonna, I'm going to say hello. Like, all this feist um at your at your disposal but no um you know talking about the community like that's all it is it's a community of badass uh females um really anyone can you know be on a team but really just like we're all going in the same direction and that is just to be the best version of ourselves we can be you know maximizing our performance as women and you know encouraging and supporting each other collectively and that's just something you don't get outside of here. And it's specifically, you know, we're focused on how to be the best badass woman you can be um, in addition to athletes. So yeah, that's why I'm there and I'll get Yeah. And uh, a little, uh, well, I guess when this pod comes out, it'll be July. So July on the Feisty team is NSYNC July, which is a little throwback to, you know, the band NSYNC. So we're saying bye, bye, bye to a one size fits all training program. And we're going to track our metrics for the month. So for some of us, that's include tracking our menstrual cycle. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to learn a little bit about ourselves, kind of check in with ourselves. I think that's just so important. And yeah, just have more conversations on how to harness your own unique physiology, um, which, yeah, more of that coming your way, feisty team. Yeah, we were talking just um, a little earlier. We had a sponsor, a call with one of our sponsors just to look at like moving forward. And she, she said to the feedback she gave us was, I didn't expect your team to be so cerebral. That's how she described. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I mean, we're triathletes, right? Like, so <laughs> there's like, and I think, I actually think what she meant by cerebral wasn't necessarily like, like we're all doing high level physics. I, I think she meant like that we're like, we're thinkers um, and that we're like, we're very much aware of our social contexts. We think about the things that we're doing in the way that we are in the world. And I think those are the types of people who come to the feisty team. And so I, she cl clearly had had a moment where she's like, Oh, update my files. Like we're not the kind of team that like 
pats people on the head and says like here's your here's your little beginner program or whatever like we're like actually it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or who you are where you come from like our um we're going to treat you like an athlete um so that's kind of what sets us apart i think yeah maximizing you know i i think that we do so much to focus on like maximizing our our performance as women you know i i can't explain how many times I heard someone say, yeah, I almost didn't race because of my cycle. And I'm thinking um, you should have raced because of where you're at in your cycle. Like, and being able to give people that gift that, you know, they look at it as an inconvenience when really like at, at a certain point, this could be the secret weapon that you have against every male competitor out there on the course. So um, I really I love how how we're, our team harnesses like what makes us different and how we can maximize that and show up as better athletes because of that difference mm-hmm. I love how like Stacey Sims always says like your cycle can be uh, an organic aid which means it can help you with your training you know and I love that kind of framing of it because we I know I know Ellen and I have both experienced this in like elite squads and stuff in the past where it's seen as this negative thing like we have to work around this thing that women have you know um we've all experienced that in our culture um so seeing it as an ergogenic aid is like okay like now we can work with our bodies it's it's pretty awesome to have a place to have that conversation and not have to bite your tongue or not ask the question that you really want to ask to get the answer that you're looking for so yeah all right well sold everybody's joining feisty triathlon (laughs) dot com am i right feisty triathlon mm-hmm. all right you're right it's amazing there's like amazing blogs on there you can check out the feisty team all the things um and yeah thanks for listening this week sarah normally does this part so i might be a bit rough but um until next week um keep on maximizing keep on. physiology we're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.